everybody. This is Ashley. This is Karen. And this is the musicals. How are you today, Karen? I am doing very well. Um, Iowa weather, man. 50 degrees one day, 22 the next. And it was like a weird ice yesterday. And so there was no school, which really cramped my style for working at home. <laughs> well, I heard that um, at first some schools were on a two hour delay and then they just said, yeah, no, don't get me come in. That was my school. <laughs> oh, bummer. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I did want to tell you, though, Karen, that over the weekend, I went and saw Death on the Nile, which is another um, Agatha Christie novel yes. Turned, yes. Into, turned movie. It was good. I enjoyed it. Okay. So um, Kenneth Branagh plays um, Hercule Poirot, right? Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. So um, he yeah. played it in the last movie too. So there was uh, Murder on the Orient Express was a movie okay. a while back, and Rick said that my husband said that it was the same character or the same actors. Um, okay, I think that is who did it. So and yeah, book was a char- a recurring character as well from the previous one, and was in this one as well. Okay. But it it was interesting just to see like it, it's set in in. Uh, on the Nile, obviously. Um, so it was it was interesting to get a little bit of that Egyptian history, but also uh, just to see what money can do back in the day. Man, it was no kidding, right? It yes. was something else. Yeah, because Gal Gadot and Army Hammer okay. were like two of the main characters. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I will yeah. have to catch that sometime. But I have Netflix now. So um, <laughs> long time listeners would know about every time it was, I would ask, oh, is it on Netflix? I can't watch it. I don't have Netflix. But now I have Netflix. That's true, Karen. And that builds us into where we're going today because Tick, Tick, Boom has been on Netflix since November. And I've been watching it pretty regularly since November. But now you have Netflix and you can watch it too. I can. Um, so my sister got me a gift card for Netflix because I kept trying to get the password out of her and then she wouldn't give it. And um, so she just got me a gift card for Christmas. And so now um, it's, I yeah, I now have Netflix and I now actually have watched Tick, Tick, Boom, which can I just rant a little bit about streaming services now? There's so many streaming services. We're back to cable TV. Like it's not, like you have to have them all because they keep jumping services. And if you want to watch everything that's popular, yeah, you have an entire suite of streaming services, which is called cable TV. <laughs> but then you can't watch them live, Karen. No, that is true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so. Unless I, our family has Hulu, which is live. So then it is like cable TV and you have a bunch of different channels to check through. Oh, great. Yeah. Which by Hulu did not like the Olympics. I think maybe... I mean, I know it's coming from a long ways away in time and space and all that jazz, but sometimes it would freeze up. And then I was like, wait, why are we here? We yeah. did not make it any better, did we? <laughs> um, which that actually brings up a little thing that I noticed in uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. But anyway, let's go on about Tick, Tick, Boom, which I love saying the name, by the way. Do you? Yeah. Um, so we are talking today about Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the... Um, Jonathan Larson musical, but we're actually talking about the video production, the 2021 um, movie that was released on Netflix, and I think in some select theaters. 
Um, I believe it was the directorial debut for Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and In the Heights fame. Oh, he's also in like, a, he's got the Disney streak now too. So he's done um, Moana and Encanto. And if anyone doesn't, has seen Encanto and doesn't have, <clears throat> we don't talk about Bruno stuck in their head. I don't know if they have a soul. I'm not sure. That is such an earworm. Uh, the movie um, stars Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson. And it's, it's kind of an interesting premise. So it's about a music, it's a musical about a musical showcasing a musical almost. It's very meta because it's a musical about his first musical that didn't go well, but you see how it was workshopped and everything. Yes. Yeah. And so in the end, it's just kind of a recap of that time in his life. It's, um, it is biographical, except unfortunately, Jonathan Larson passing away means that it's an interpretation. It, so that's why I say biographical. I don't say autobiographical because he passed away. So it is someone's take on his biography. Correct. Correct. But I think Tick, Tick, Boom was somewhat autobiographical. The, yes, the stage production. Yes, correct. Because while the film adaptation, the way I understood it from watching it and then doing a little bit of reading, Tick, Tick, Boom, the true musical was elaborated on for Tick, Tick, Boom, the film adaptation. Correct. It's not a scene for scene match. Correct. I think that his life is weaved into the scenes. So from what I understood, Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical was, I think, originally a one-man show, but then he brought in a couple mm -hmm. other characters. And so it was kind of taking us through his life, but to incorporate the movie, the movie incorporates actual scenes so that we see his, his screenshots of his life um, that he's describing on stage, if that makes sense. Correct. I will say, because you always say, what do you think? And I thought about it. I was like, what would I say? It made me sad. Oh no. I just felt sad because um, I felt really sad for Jonathan Larson that a life was cut short and that he never got to see this. I mean, you can talk about Rent. We never talked about Rent because that's his you know, main claim to fame and him being a Tony Award winner, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't feel sad about that he didn't see Rent. I felt sad that he wouldn't know that his life meant so much. Mm. So I felt sad that he didn't get to see it. I felt sad for the 90s <laughs> and seeing how, you know, like things have changed. I, left, I felt sad for like people who have lost their dream you know, who have like, when they were young, they had hopes and dreams and then unfulfilled dreams. I self felt sad for unfulfilled dreams. I felt sad for myself <laughs> as you know, as you age. And I don't mean it as in sad in a bad way. I feel, feel like it was just a good grief. Like it was a, it was a good cathartic griefness, grieving process. Yes, it's very good. It is very good and I highly recommend it. Um, I think you do have to be of a certain age for it to resonate with you. I think if you're exceedingly young, 
life hasn't disappointed you yet maybe and it may not it may be like oh i don't get it but i feel for a certain um after you passed a threshold of life it, it suddenly it all clicks and makes sense so yeah yeah i i would not have described it as sad i love the show i i it's one now that i put on in the background because i've seen it so much or if i'm going to mm-hmm. go to bed i want something nice my kids know there's some there's some earworms in there that uh, the Bohemian song the bobo bobo yes. my yeah. youngest walks around singing that she loves that oh. song and it's only 15 minutes into the show so we can sit down and watch that bit before there's a grown up situation and we can turn it <laughs> off so they actually really like it but i think um maybe i'm interpreting your sadness as nostalgia because oh, i think yeah love letter to the 90s it's a love letter yeah. to broadway it's a love letter to the youth like yes. just seeing like you said these dreams and understanding like having that passion at that age and these things that as a grown and jaded person seem kind of frivolous at that point in your life they're life-changing and yeah. even like something as simple uh his roommate is moving out and going to like a big boy apartment basically like one that has a doorman and one that they is not totally run down which is it so has central heat they talk about that central heat right it's such like a simple concept about yeah great they got good housing but it is such a mon- monumental deal that there's a song about it with dancing and it's just i think it captures a time in life and we happen to be around these ages at around that time so it all comes together really nicely for us um but i think even someone who is maybe in their late 20s could resonate with that tick tick feeling which yes. i really liked how they integrated that as they um shifted scenes i don't know if you noticed you would hear a tick tick when the he word, right right yeah. and you're like time is running out for him and of course we see it differently 20 uh, you know hindsight's 2020 because his time was actually running out yes um because he died young but just having that feeling of i need to do something important it has to happen now it has to be now it sounds dumb but i didn't know how the title related like so i didn't know ahead of time the whole idea of tick tick boom um i mean i i understood there was a concept of like a countdown but i guess i didn't think it was where you think the your time is running out of like chances for your dreams and so that i kind of liked that um they conveyed the the frantic nature of you know and um and i know that feeling where you suddenly realize oh my goodness time's running out life's passing me by like with covid times i the way i phrased it is like i lost a year of my life and i'm burning daylight because for a full year i couldn't do all the things that i thought i could do and it's a really good show and i yeah i highly recommend people watching it yeah yeah um it also covered it covered a bunch of things like it talked about the aids pandemic yes we've talked about it in in previous things and i you said too about living the dream it it kind of was juxtaposed growing up versus living the dream like you couldn't do both almost and yeah. i i can really sympathize with that feeling that reality right 
And it's like, which, which way do you go? I, I don't know. Also, I don't know if you noticed the, um, the plot of his musical, Superbia. Did you listen to what the plot is? Something about the future and robots. Right, but That's if you- kept saying. But it's not necessarily robots. So the way it's described at one point is that people are, they have handheld devices that they rely on for all of their happiness. And oh. the show, it's like anyone who is anyone is going to be there. You need to be there. This is where everyone's going to be. It felt very uh, insightful, futuristic. Like, I don't think that's how it was intended in the 90s. But I'm like, that is absolutely what is happening now. We have our devices. They are running our social life. And we... Um, and it was something about is a dystopian future where the world is crumbling and we're all drawn right. to these screens. And I don't know if any of that was like put in post or if that was actual his vision for this musical. But I, that really hit me. I was like, what? Now I want to watch to go look that up. Did you see the 90s MTV rap video? Did you love yes. that? So, so many things that I also double checked because, um, everything becomes kind of like a little bit of a blur on when like music is released, when styles came out and stuff like that. And in one of the scenes in his house, he is um, R.E.M.'s End of the World comes on. And I was like, yep. was that already released by then? Because it's set in 1990. It's very specific on when it's set. And yes, it came out in 1987. Um, the, the rap video in there made me think of Technotronics Pump Up the Jam which is an awesome song. If you don't already know it, you should. Um, the signs for, yes, the AIDS uh, epidemic with silence equals death, spot on as well too. Um, there were, I also, I don't know if they were, you would consider them Easter eggs, but it, there was definitely tons of rent Easter eggs in there because the reference to, um, and. It, this came before Rent, so, and, you know, the whole, there's one scene where they, you know, he's told, write about your life, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is where Rent came from, right. but um, I, I literally laughed out loud when they talked about living in places where uh, the buzzer doesn't work, so you have to throw the keys down, yeah. like, I, I actually laughed out loud at that, because I, I thought that was really funny, because that's such a, in my opinion, such a, iconic scene in in rent there were um, tons of those easter eggs so he calls him yes. pookie at one point the answering machine was very reminiscent yes. there's even a scene where he's like riding his bike in new york city which is very similar yep. to the video of rent from i think it's like 97 or something is it that old it's no it's not that old well, it is to that because yeah because we talked because we did rent the movie mm a review of it and we were like oh my goodness I can't believe it's been so long so yeah but as as I was listening to his music he definitely has like a style because even yeah. songs from Tick Tick Boom remind me of songs from Rent right. and I don't know if yeah. he was you know workshopping them and then changed them to fit this new musical but he definitely has a style and I like this I found interesting because again um I'm not as in depth into musical theater as you are. But I remember reading about how Hamilton came into being and uh, talking about the workshop process. And that's how they got some of their cast. 
as well too for the first um, Broadway performances. And I enjoyed learning about how musical theater worked mm -hmm. with the workshop process as well too. And like you said, it is a love letter to Broadway. There's, you know, name dropping of Sondheim. And then there's all the cameos of Broadway stars. Oh, and it took me a second to react. Um, and suddenly I'm like, oh, that's Brian Mitchell Stokes is when I started registering. And I'm like, oh, crud, I haven't been paying attention to who all is around. And like half the cast of Hamilton was in there. Um, then they had, um, oh, from Rent himself played Roger. Yep. Roger, Mimi, and, uh, Roger, Mimi, and Angel were all there. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, uh, Bibi Nureth, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I know her from Frasier, but she's also big. She was played Lilith on Frasier, but mm -hmm. a big, um, person, Bernadette Peters was there. Yep. Um, somebody else who I'm drawing a blank on as well, too, who's a major heavy hitter. Uh, Philippa Sue and Renee Elise Goldsberg were in the cafe. So the Sunday brunch scene was just jam-packed with Broadway stars. There's a gentleman who plays Hades um, from yes. Hades Town. Uh-huh. I think Hades. Uh I can't remember. It was just packed. And even um, his friend who was hospitalized with AIDS, that was Ben Levi Ross, who played Dear Evan Hansen yeah. when we saw it. Yeah, I didn't know that. I guess I didn't, I missed that. So I do need to watch it again. You do. And even I saw some video with um, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Andrew Garfield. They kind of we're talking about the Bohemian song. They kind of did screenshots or whatever. And they're like, oh, this is this and this is this. So there is a couple um, that is in the song. They say, and these are the neighbors. And they were really Jonathan Larson's neighbors or his um, had some sort of relationship with, with the actual Jonathan Larson. And they brought them into the video too. And uh -huh. Lin-Manuel Miranda's dad is in the... Um, the scene where they're talking about this new apartment. He is the bellman who looks like Captain Kangaroo. Like that's the uh, lyric. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so it has a ton of um, famous Broadway stars. In fact, you know, they're doing that workshop and they scroll when he's sitting in the front and he's playing the piano. It's when he has his first interaction with Sondheim. So they pan over the audience and all of those people that are in the audience are real writers and producers from Broadway. And I believe Sondheim is in there. And Sondheim leaves the actual voicemail at the end um, to Jonathan Larson. That's his real voice. That's really him. Oh, okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, so I guess when they do the first workshop and they have the different um, uh, people there to listen, they also have Stephen Schwartz who's another very famous, that's the person I recognized out of the whole group. I didn't recognize, um, again, not totally into it. But can we talk about how Godspell is referenced a couple oh of different gosh. times there? <laughs> <laughs> I had such, I mean, it's funny because I was like, I guess it was a thing. So well, it was then, pretty funny. Yeah, because it kept popping up in, in the soundtrack behind him. And then there was one, well, because there was one point he was selling his records and then she's like, He's like, I'm keeping this one. 
And she goes, oh no, Godspell, day by day. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. Um, and also they gave a shout out to West Side Story because that's what they perform in high school. Oh, can we talk about that for a minute? Because as much as it was about Jonathan and his relationship, kind of how it was on the rocks and whatnot, I thought the story between Jonathan and Michael was very lovely. And it was like a real true friendship story. And there's a scene near the end where he, where Michael kind of blows up at him and Jonathan goes off and kind of has this epiphany and he shows up at his door and he's like, whatever's next, I am here for it. I am here for you. We are friends. And like, I'm about to cry now. I'm just like, it is such a beautiful friend story. Yes. That is kind of all buried in there. And it's just so lovely. I agree. And I feel like that relationship was the backbone for the um, entire musical, more so than other relationships, more so than the girl-boy relationship, I'll say, um, yeah. or significant other relationship. Sure. Um, at first, when I first watched it, I'm like, oh, Michael, he's Benny. This is the Benny, the sellout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also like the way the timeline unfolded is where when you're first introduced to them, Jonathan and Michael, you're told they're roommates, et cetera, et cetera. But then later on, you realize how far back their story goes. Yeah. And I kind of um, liked that there was a delayed reveal. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't forced on you to like them as friends because you knew that they'd been friends for a long time. If yeah, that makes sense. We got to enjoy their friendship and feel like, oh, they've been friends and their friendship grew at a pace that was different than it really was. And I, I don't know how to explain that, but I just like that they withheld a little bit of information that it, their you know friendship was kept a little like private because um, it, yeah, we could make our assumptions as we wanted to, and then it was revealed to us. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think it felt more powerful then mm -hmm. when we found out later. And we knew that they were friends, but um, when you saw that past, it really helped build it for me anyway. But like you said, if they would have showed it at the beginning, you'd be like, okay, yeah, great. That's wonderful. Um, another thing that I had noted that what I found so very relatable about Jonathan through most of the musical or the movie, he is needing to write this song and he finds literally everything else to do besides do it. He cleans his entire apartment and that is something I can relate to so hard. It's like, I need to do this one thing, but you know what? The dishes, I've been ignoring them for like two days, so I should definitely do it now. And you know, <laughs> his girlfriend shows up and I think it was his girlfriend, someone, and they're like, you're going to write the next greatest song in the next, you know, 10 minutes. He's like, maybe, maybe you yeah. don't know. <laughs> I found that so relatable and it made him so likable. Also, can I just say, I don't know if I've seen Andrew Garfield in a lot of things, but I loved him. I thought he did such a great job in this movie. I'm telling you, you need to watch interviews with him. You need to watch the interview um, Stephen Colbert did of Andrew Garfield. Okay. And when we drop this episode, we put that link in there because that's, I think that's when he said, everybody dies with the half written song or something, I'm paraphrasing. And it was like, oh my goodness, his mom got ill during um, the filming of this. And uh, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda, because he's the best human being, was like, just go. And um, he got to be with her and she ended up passing away. But um, I've seen, I keep calling it Heartbreak Ridge, but it's not called Heartbreak Ridge. It's called Something Ridge. And he was in that. And that was one thing I thought about as well, too, is I kind of like, I've never seen him in a singing role. And they said that he uh, got the role because his friend was uh, Lin-Man, is Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, massage therapist. And okay. in conversation, it came up and um, he was asked like, oh, can Andrew sing? And he's like, oh yeah, he can sing great. He's wonderful. And then he called Andrew Garfield and was like, dude, can you sing? Uh, because I just said you could sing. <laughs> and uh, that's how, um, but he's now been nominated for best actor an Oscar for best actor for this role. Oh, and really? before I saw it, yeah, before I saw it, I was like, oh, is this a deal where the Oscars are trying to like do the Oscar thing? But I agree, he should be nominated. I, so my point is this, I've never seen him in a singing role and I kind of like the fact that he was in that singing role um, because, see, I'm always the opposite way. We've talked about this always, where I'm always like, oh, don't cast actors yeah. for musicals. This was a reverse, but I ended up liking it because um, it didn't come with the baggage of being a um, musical performer. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Like, this, this is one time... With, I feel it's an exception of the rule that the casting went well. And maybe that speaks to Andrew Garfield doing such a good job. That's true. Where um, I didn't feel like having an actor play somebody in musical theater was a disservice. So, well, yeah. and the other thing too, maybe, is that although Jonathan Larson was in Broadway, he wasn't necessarily a Broadway star. He was a writer. True. He was a producer. Uh, yeah. He was a writer. So you wouldn't expect a writer to have the best voice. You'd expect sure. them to be very well-spoken and, yeah. you know, to be good at the writing. I I hadn't seen him ever sing before either. And I had heard something similar to your story with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And Miranda was like, as long as he can carry a tune, we can make it work. Because okay. um, he's like, I can teach him to play the piano, whatever he needs. I can, we can get him voice lessons. We can get him trained up as long yeah. as he's not tone deaf. At that very end too, they have some videos of Jonathan Larson and he looks similar to him. I mean, not that that's super important, but I think um, Andrew Garfield had made such a character that he had these little mannerisms and these little quirkiness that made him feel very whole, made him feel like a person and not a actor playing a person right I agree with that I feel like he embodied a normal person um there was yes the constant uh because this is a podcast and not film you couldn't people won't know that you were doing a twitching action because there was oh, definitely a very yes a twitching as she was doing a twitching action um because there was I felt the franticness and the countdown and the ticking was manifested physically very well yes that I, is true um i enjoyed that that um nervous tension as well too but uh, yes i just had to google it and i saw it's called hacksaw ridge 
that's what I've seen um, Andrew Garfield in his Axel Rich. And he's also in um, uh, The Social Network. That was another one. He's the one who gets ripped off by uh, Zuckerberg. Okay. <laughs> so his character. I know he's in Super, uh, Spider-Man, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen him in Spider-Man. I stopped watching Spider-Man with the Tobey Maguire ones. So old. Me know, too. Been a long Me too. Um, there were also a couple songs that I had read were not necessarily in the original Tick, Tick, Boom, or maybe they got left out of Superbia or something, but they were very like stream of consciousness songs. Um, like the one where he's swimming and he's like, I'm swimming, I'm swimming. Oh, there's a girl. She kind of looks like this. And like, but I, what I thought was really interesting about those type of songs is they kind of showed you the process that he was going through to write. The, and I assume that Miranda would have this kind of insight into how writers may work since he also um, is a Broadway writer. But it was just really interesting to me that like, just kind of slogging through it because you can't come up with the idea until it comes to you. You can't be like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have the best idea and I'm going to write my song and it's going to be done. Um, so I actually really like those kind of interjection, interjecting little ones like that. Same with the Sunday at Diner song. It was about nothing. It was about work. You know what I mean? Yes. So I have a follow-up question about the sw swimming thing. Was Jonathan Larson a swimmer? Because they never quite explained that because in the early scenes, they have him swimming. And I was like, how does the guy have time to do this? So was he like... Uh, swimming high school athlete or something like that um you know, i was gonna google that yeah i guess i don't know i can google it real quick <laughs> like oddly specific <laughs> to have it where they you know he was a swimmer so well he wrote a song about it yes but one thing I will forever be grateful to um, Jonathan Larson for is bringing Jesse L. Martin to the world. <laughs> because uh, can we talk about how he cast Jesse L. Martin as Tom Collins? But yes, I highly recommend true. it. I think it's a solid show. It has got a solid story, solid performances. Oh, this is one thing before I forget. Vanessa Hudgens. When yeah. I saw she was going to be on, in it, I was like, oh, oh, how is this going to unfold? But she, um, girl can sing. She really can. And uh, they highlighted the performance she did, highlighted the fact that she can sing. And I thought she did a good job. I didn't think she was overly highlighted. Like I didn't realize no. it was her until I'd watched it a couple of times. And yep. her face sometimes shows up on like the little thing you click on on Netflix. I'm like, why is she in there? I'm like, oh, yep. it's her. Right, yeah. I think it was, uh, it's uh, trying to maybe like uh, broaden horizons for an audience because I didn't realize it was her till like halfway through as well too. I was like, that girl looks familiar. Why does she look familiar? So. Um, I'm looking, apparently Garfield did all of his own swimming because they got a, <laughs> they got a, a swim level or they got a swim stunt coach and the stunt double said, I can't swim that fast. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, it says, uh, I swear the fact that he's a Michael Phelps level swimmer is just total serendipity, said Miranda. That's Interesting. Funny. Huh. Yeah. 
uh, I still haven't found out if he's if Larson was actually a swimmer. I'm not finding it that quickly. Sorry about that. But there was a song called Swimming um, that Larson had written. So yeah, the other thing too that's always mysterious to me, I love like based on a true story. And at the very beginning, they say, all of this is true except the parts that Jonathan made up. So then I'm like, which ones did he make up? Or do they just mean the songs? Did he just make up the songs? And that always gets me. Um, but I, I just, I really love it. And I honestly have watched it probably 10 times to the entirety. I watch, I started a lot, but I don't always finish it. Um, because I think it takes me a bit on an emotional journey by the end when we learn yeah. about, um, Michael. So I, I have to be committed at that point, but yes. a lot of times I'll watch 15 minutes in, get my bo 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 and then I'll leave. <laughs> um. The one part I didn't care for, though, was the voiceover at the end. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't. I, that was the only one part that I found a little jarring. And I can't put my finger on it on why I didn't like it. Um, I'll watch it again and see. But I, yeah. for that first watching at the very end, I was just kind of like, you're, I guess you're in there, you've got all your feelings, and then somebody's narrating something to you. I think that may be what it is. But did you mind it at the beginning? No, at the beginning it was fine. Hmm. Because, well, you're not in it yet, you're just watching. And so you're, somebody tells you something at the beginning of a movie and you're like, oh yeah, okay. Do you watch it yeah. all the way to the end where you get the big crescendo and it goes tick, tick, boom at the end? Yes. Oh. I like the ending, but that's just me. And then you get to okay. see some home well, videos. Yeah, well, I will. That is true. Yes. Um, I'll watch it again at the end and then see how it unfolds as well, too. So more than anything, I it was well worth the Netflix subscription. That's I know. Gift card? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because um, all I keep thinking about is uh, every now and then you go and uh, I'm still three like upset about the three bucks I spent on um, uh, Billy Elliot, <laughs> you know, because I'm just like, oh, can't believe I sat through Billy Elliot and Billy Elliot, the movie is so good, musical, not so good. Um, so this is well worth the, the subscription. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. I will watch it multiple, multiple times again. Hey. Like I said, it's a love letter to Broadway. It's a love letter to the 90s. It's a good friend. It, like it's a love letter to youth. I just, I loved it. I loved it. I'll yes. watch it a hundred times again. I agree. When my kids are a little bit older, they can watch it all the way through. There's just one and they, they don't even, it's not really a sex scene because nothing really happens, but it get, it escalates and my kids are like, oh, we gotta leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with your kids there that, uh, <laughs> yes protect them for a little while longer. I will they can continue to listen to the songs but they don't get to watch the whole thing just yet right yes we'll be right back well the Des Moines Playhouse is releasing their season soon yes it is coming up and like very soon next week because yeah. the month of February ends well next week but like very early in the week right so if I remember correctly it is the third March 3rd which is a Thursday I want to say okay 
they're not doing a, a live announcement, like in the sense of they're not doing an in-person announcement is what I mean. They're going to do it uh, virtually. So we have, uh, we have to get ready for that. Um, I'm interested, they ask about what, um, any guesses on what will be performed. And I, I looked at it and I, and all of a sudden, like literally my mind draws a blank and I'm like, I cannot think of a single musical right now that we will do. I don't know why. Funny. But, yeah. yeah so. They also have Charlotte's Web opening next week as well in the Kate Goldman Children's Theater. Okay. And then we've talked before, but we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. We've got Rent. I've got my princess concert. There's Hades Town. Then um, the Des Moines Playhouse has Singing in the Rain. Anything Goes has Sutton Foster in it, and that's going to be in theaters on yep. March 27th and 30th. And um, I did read the Sutton Foster book. It was quite good. Thank you for sharing it with me, Karen. Isn't it? Yes. It's different. It's a different book. So It is a different um, book. I bought tickets to go see The Magic Flute. The Des Moines Symphony is doing a crossover with the Des Moines Metro Opera. And they're doing it where it's like half film, half in person, I think. I'm not sure, like, like totally sure on how this is going to unfold. So we'll find out. But I'll, we'll talk about it in another episode on what's happening with that. How, how far away is that? Uh, next weekend, I want to say. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, it's the weekend of the 5th and the 6th. So. Okay. And then we were also told about Next to Normal is going to be playing at the Carousel Theater of Indianola in March as well. Looks like the second two weekends of, well, March 18th through 27th. Is that the second two weekends? I don't know, maybe the third. Anyway, so there's a lot coming up soon. Yes. I'm excited. Hades Town is coming March 23rd as well. Well, we're seeing it March 23rd as well. I'm excited. Me too. As always, Des Moines is delivering. So always. And we need to find out if um, Des Moines Performing Arts is going to have a season announcement soon. I would think so. I would so as well too. Um, but six, come on, six, come on, six. And the jagged little pill. No kidding, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually. Um, jagged little pill will be such a hit for nothing else but like nostalgia. All the people who were who loved Alanis are now of the age where they can afford tickets. Right. Well, so, I was just thinking about the Super Bowl. You know, they were like, well, there there was a really narrow window, and like all of the commercials were targeted towards these people. Yes. And we're like, yeah, because we have the money now that we can spend exactly. on these things. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Anyway, well, thanks for chatting with me today, Karen. Anything else? Yes. And thank you for making me watch Tick, Tick, Boom. And you didn't make me watch it, but I am very glad I watched it. You're welcome. (laughs) Have a good rest of your day, Karen. See ya. Hi there. Just wanted to take a quick moment to ask you to subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you're listening. Rate us and review us, and that helps other listeners find us and also lets us know what it is you like about our podcast. Find us on Facebook at Demusicals or email us at desmusicals at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about the shows that we've reviewed or recommend a show for us to watch, and we'd be happy um, to take your input. 
reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.